Hello and welcome to Revitalize. Perspire, inspire, expire. Revitalize is daily encouragement for modern Christian women, sponsored by Teaching Mums Limited, an executive coaching company for mums by mums. Visit teachingmums.com today. Each mum, reach mum, teach mum. This is your personal invitation on how to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. Now this personal invitation has been taken from the Joyce Meyer Everyday Life Bible. All verses used will be amplified, the amplified version, unless otherwise stated. Please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me and forgiving me of my sins so I can have a personal relationship with you. I am sincerely sorry for the mistakes I've made and I know I need you to help me live right. Your word says in Romans 10, 9, if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognising his power, authority and majesty as God and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I believe you are the Son of God and I confess you as my Saviour and Lord. Take me just as I am and work in my heart, making me the person you want me to be. I want to live for you, Jesus, and I'm so grateful to you for giving me a fresh start in my new life with you. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer along with me for the first time, then I'd love to say to you, welcome to the family, sweetheart. Um, This is, apart from getting married and having children and um, following your dream and deciding to step out on your own, this is the best decision and the most important decision you will ever make. Um, And I want to welcome you and celebrate you for this personal commitment that you have made in hidden places. May the Lord bless you and multiply you and increase you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Um, Practical things. Join your local online church. (laughs) I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, join your local online church. Read your Bible every day. Download apps with scripture and protect your salvation with your life. Tell other people how wonderful the Lord is. And of course, if you have prayer requests, you can get in touch with me, lulu at teachingmums.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, I'd love to pray for you. It's so accessible and even easier now than it was six months ago. Good for you. And continue to believe that you are perfectly loved just the way that you are now. Welcome to Revitalize, Perspire, Inspire, 
X-Fire. So this week we have been running a series called Selfishness. We've been looking at the Word of God and looking at what the Bible says about selfishness. So we are now on part three. I will give you the Bible verses for today. Pray and then share. So the Bible verses for today are um, all New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 33, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, Galatians 6, verse 2, Philippians 2, verses 3 to 7. Let's pray. Father, there is no greater privilege than being called yours. Thank you for the Holy Spirit at work in us. Thank you for the mercy and the grace and the beauty of the cross. Thank you for accepting us into your family. Thank you for allowing me to speak today, opening my eyes this morning, giving me a voice to share your word and glorify you. Holy Spirit, challenge me. Um, saturate me and help me this morning to share this good news and your perfect word that's able to um, ah, dissect bone and marrow asunder. So you're able to divide flesh from flesh, bone from bone, marrow from marrow. You're able to cut deep into our um, wounds, into our backgrounds, into our hearts and correct us. And it may be painful, but the growth is phenomenal and it's worth it. Help me to honour you and glorify you with my words. You're the only God that I know. And I thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33. Just recap what we've looked at over the past couple of days in the episode on selfishness part one. We were looking at the promises that um, God made to our father in faith, Abraham, and the covenant that he established with him. He'd be a father of many nations. He's to leave the people that he's most familiar with, the people that he loves, and go and serve God elsewhere outside of his immediate community. He changed Abraham's name to Abraham. And we also established that... Um, the conflict and the root of selfishness is fear, fear of not being replenished or restored, fear of never having the thing that you may want to give away again. Um, but because our source is in God, in Christ, our provision identities in Christ, the things we give away um, come from a limitless supply. So there should be no fear in giving. And, and it is hard, but we can address selfishness. Um, one day at a time by reminding ourselves who we are in Christ and what he did for us and how much we have freely received and therefore out of the, the abundance and um, freely give. And we spoke in the episode yesterday on selfishness part two, that self-care and selfishness are not synonymous, okay? So looking after yourself is not the same as being selfish because looking after yourself is actually in keeping with the Bible, because it says, you know, love your neighbour as you love yourself, okay, and you can't love your neighbour unless you love yourself, and then we spoke briefly about who our neighbour really is, and I said in 
many contexts, your neighbour could be your actual neighbour, somebody that lives nearby you, your neighbour could be your church community, the person closest to you could be your family member. Okay, so you have to know who the other person is in your life and who you're supposed to be regarding highly and putting um, great priority on. Is it your ministry? Is it your business? Is it your church community? Is it your spouse? Is it your family? Nobody's profile looks the same. Um, And that's why it's really important that we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, help us understand where and what our priorities are. So with that in mind, let's look at 1 Corinthians 10, verse 33. I'm reading from the Joyce Meyer Everyday Life Bible Amplified Translation. Here we go. Just as I please everyone in all things, as much as possible adapting myself to the interests of others, not seeking my own benefit, but that of the many so that they will be open to the message of salvation and may be saved. That's wonderful. So the end goal, and something we mentioned briefly in the last episode, is the cause. What is the cause that Jesus Christ, our Lord, has asked you to champion? Now, I'll share briefly with you my cause. My cause is um, to champion mums far and wide in faith, in finance, in business, in marriage, in home, in motherhood, in um, their professional profile. That's my cause. Now, I didn't know that I had this cause, but I became a mum at 19, and I suddenly realised I'd entered a world that I'd be a part of for my entire life on earth. And those of you who are listening, who are mums and also grandmothers, you know, as I know, you know, I'm in my 30s and I still call my mum every day and she's still parenting all of us, all of her adult children from the sidelines cheering us on. And so when I became a mum, I made an agreement with God and I just said, like Abraham did, that I would leave my immediate community and I wanted to start something that no one could ever take away from me. And that's making sure that My family were raised in faith, but also I was bringing other women along, other mothers along in faith. And it's been a really challenging journey and I haven't been um, as successful as I think I probably would have liked. However, there's still time. So the point I'm making is that we're encouraged to seek the benefit of others so that they'll be open to the message of salvation and may be saved. So the only reason I have the Revitalized campaign is to draw mummies and women into the well and richness of God. And that's my only responsibility. And the richness and the life in the word is available for you today. And so the selfishness factor in our lives starts to diminish when we start to increase our focus on the cause. Are you with me? So every time I feel like not doing something to do with the purpose of God in my life, God reminds me about why I'm doing it. It's to bring as many people into his loving arms as possible. That's the only reason. That's it. And sometimes it sobers me up in such a way and and motivates me. Other days I feel overwhelmed, but that's why I need the Holy Spirit and I need 
the Father's love and grace and strength to remind me that the things that we do for God are never done in vain. And one of the ways that we can counteract selfishness is just reminding ourselves, why are we doing something? It doesn't mean you can't do nice things for yourself. I'm a big advocate of self-care. And it took me a long time to understand the martyrdom of motherhood and being responsible with my self-care. I don't think we have any earthly value to people around us if we are wiped out all of the time. I'm no use to God as a a pile of bones and hair. (laughs) However, there are times when God will require us to do things that we may not really want to do, but it's just for him. It's just for him. And this is so that people will be open to the message of salvation and may be saved. That's the only reason. And I don't want to make it sound easy as if this is a walk in the park because it will really deal with our ego. It will deal with our, um, maybe our vain desires, our fleshly desires. You know, I gave an example a, you know, a couple of episodes ago about if somebody asks you to do something on a night where you have something that cannot be moved, like um, putting your children to bed or having dinner with your family or doing a bedtime story or something that's important in your family life versus an evening of your favourite episodes. And when do you draw the line to say no? And when do you say yes? And I think it's different for everybody. And we've got to be really careful. And I'm guilty of this. Really careful not to look down on people who have made different decisions to us. We don't know what the call of God on their life is. And we have to be so careful that we're not, you know, labelling them with the labels God has given us or the grace that God has given us. Everybody has a different amount of grace and a different measure of faith. It's very clear. So somebody may decide that actually they don't want to serve in a particular way and they would like to watch their episodes in the evening instead of helping somebody. That's entirely up to them. Another person might say, actually, I'm not available tonight, but I'm all yours tomorrow. That's their walk with God. Another person might say, at the moment, you can't rely on me for this because... I'm nursing for the next year and a half and I need to go to sleep early. Well, baby, that's okay. You need to know God for yourself. And you need to establish the word of God in your own heart. Of course, with um, godly counsel, but also with wisdom and confidence that you are doing what God has asked you to do. Awesome. Now let's go to the second book of Corinthians. It's the second letter to the people of Corinth. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. Here we go. And he died for all, so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. So the whole point, the whole point of the gospel, excuse me, is that we will no longer live for ourselves, but we would live for him who died and was raised for our sake, and not just my sake, your sake, your neighbor's sake, the sake of your babies, your spouse, future spouse, for those of you who are um, listening and your single moms, um, colleagues, friends, family members. But I want to ask you a question. What does living for yourself look like? So this is open to interpretation, but I believe that when you live for yourself, you will probably feel good. 
you have no responsibilities, no regard for um, other people, do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, go to bed anytime that you want, behave the way that you want and not regard the consequences of those actions. Now, I'll be really honest with you, I lived like this for a very, very long time and um, there were no immediate consequences. But after a few months, it started to bear very, very ugly fruit. I was not sleeping. Um, I was burning bridges with loved ones. I was not able to keep um, focused and stay reliable in my employment. I was not faithful in ministry. You know, these were the fruits of me indulging and living for myself. Now, some of you may be listening and think, hold on a second, I'm a grown woman. I can go to bed the time that I like. True, I can eat whatever I want. True, I can watch and go wherever I please. Also true. But let me ask you something. Let's just put this out there. Jesus died and gave up his life on the cross for you so that we would no longer live for ourselves but for the one who gave their life, his life up for us. So if we have no regard for the cross, then it has no value in our lives. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy ourselves, but let's look at it like this. Let's say you had a debt, 7.2 billion, okay? You received a letter this morning, you have a debt of 72 billion, and they've said to you, we want the money, or your life. And I, Lulu, come along and say, sweetie, I'm going to pay the 72 billion for you. Let's cancel that debt. You go on your way. Now, at that particular moment in time, I've saved your life, haven't I? So you can spend your whole life um, being really thankful to me and saying, oh my goodness, Lulu, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I can't believe you did that because you have your life back. Or you can continue to go and get yourself into more debt. Would I be available again to pay the 72 billion? Possibly. But how can you guarantee it? Now, I'm a human being. I'm I'm not beyond expiration. But God paid a debt that we could not pay. And all he's asking in exchange is for us to give us his life. A life for a life. Am I wrong? And so this is where selfishness becomes very, very painfully ugly. What am I doing for the one who gave up his life for me? I mean, it's never going to be enough. Because... I can't repay God for shedding that blood for me on Calvary's cross and dying for me and coming back and saving me. I can never repay him. There's no monetary value that could um, repay what was done. What I can do, what I can do is share my life with him like a spouse, share his word with others like a good friend, love him all the days of my life like a worshipper, raise my children in the gospel like an equal heir with Christ. And I can also die one day knowing that I did everything I could 
to make sure God knew I was thankful for what he did. That's how we deal with selfishness. Now, I tell you when it gets tricky, it becomes tricky when you have to start being selfless and good to people that are not kind to you or that don't understand you or don't appreciate you. And that's when we have to dig even deeper. Now, this is going to hurt, girls, okay? This is really going to hurt. We have to dig deeper and think, well, there are things I've done to God that I know have offended and hurt him. I have shown a lack of appreciation to him, but he still gives himself to me in the form of his presence and in his word and in his spirit every day, even though I don't always do the right thing. And that is how we deal with people that don't do the right thing to us and we still have to be selfless to. Because the Bible doesn't say um, he died for all that were good so that all who were kind would no longer live for themselves for him who died and was raised for the sake of those who were really nice people. It just said, says he died for all, he, so that all those who would live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. There are no adjectives. There's no one type of person. It's all consuming. It's all. Now, I challenge myself because I find it very difficult to be kind to people that are unpleasant to me. In fact, I will tell God regularly in prayer time that, Father, I really just don't need this. And the Spirit of God will say to me, yeah, I know, but I need you to press in. Take a deep breath. And being being kind sometimes means just being silent. Maybe you have a very difficult relationship or friendship where you are unsure about where to go with the relationship. And I'd ask you maybe at this time just to be quiet and to be silent because if the sound you make is going to cause pain, and I'm not talking about truth, I'm talking about unnecessary pain. In this situation, maybe put yourself second and turn your voice off so that there's peace. There are people that I know and love that I have no contact with because I don't have anything positive to say and I know that sounds harsh but God called me out on that and said if you can't be kind just be quiet and I can pray for them and I can ask God to multiply and increase them and I can forgive them but instead of thinking of myself and saying exactly what I think I have just learned to be completely silent and because I'm naturally very very talkative people would interpret that as, oh my goodness, she's also very, very quiet. But that's me dying to myself. Not everybody needs to know what I think. It's a tough one, but there's grace. He died for all, so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves. I don't want to live for myself, do you? I want to live, oh my goodness. I want to live for the one who gave up everything for me. I mean, why not? I mean, 72 billion sounds good, right? But how much is your life worth? More than that. Let's keep going. Galatians 6, verse 2. Galatians 6, verse 2.
Here we go. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. And then it goes on to say in verse 3, we need the context, girls. For if anyone thinks he is something special, and in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. (laughs) Oh gosh, you know I love the tone of the Apostle Paul's letters. I mean, it's so direct. If you think you're important and you're not, you're deceiving yourself. Now, this is not to say you're not important to God, but it's the self-importance. It's the id and the ego of a human being's life and personality where they've become the center of their own show. Now, I'm an expert in this, so I know exactly how it feels to perceive yourself as being more important than you really are. And then when you suddenly find out, actually, the most important thing is what Christ did for me and how that is going to um, fill my life and then also help others fulfill their calling and live in thankfulness to God, who becomes the most important person, me or God? I didn't give up my life. I didn't. I didn't die on the cross. Jesus did. And so that importance and that priority is his. The glory is his. And Jesus was confident, like the level of confidence Jesus had. To me, he could, in this day and age, go on a stage, say nothing, drop the mic, everybody would be on the floor. It's next level confidence. But he wasn't proud and he was not arrogant. He was humble and meek and kind. High level of self-care, but zero level of selfishness. Now, I'm not saying that we're not important because we are. We're, We're God's children. We're God's children. What I am saying is that we're not more important than anybody else. And so when we carry the burdens of others, which is what the letter is saying, when we carry the burden of others, we are living in Christian love. Now, not every burden that comes your way, again, take a a couple of steps back and ask the Holy Spirit to show you whose burden you are supposed to be carrying so that you don't get burnt out, so that you don't get wiped out, so that you're not exhausted. So each day, in fact, I do it on a monthly basis and I say, Father, whose burdens am I supposed to be carrying this month? And God said, well, you're always carrying that of your family because I bless you with the family, your spouse, your children. And maybe for some of us, it's standing side by side with parents or siblings or um, a distant relative. Maybe you are foster parents. You are carrying the burden of a family who can't parent their own children. Maybe you're carrying the burden of your local church because you have the finances to take them maybe out of debt into the promises of God for um, a building extension or an, an orphanage or a school. Whose burden are you supposed to be carrying? Now, it's very important that we get this right because I, let me tell you something. I spent a very, very long time carrying burdens I was not supposed to carry and I ended up completely flawed completely worn out, completely exhausted and tired of of churches and and all the things that we do to people in churches. And when I went to God and cried out, I was broken. And I said, Father, what did I do? I did all these good things for you, but I'm the one that's sick in bed. And God said, just because you can do all things, 
doesn't mean you have to do all things. And funnily enough, I've had so many famous ministers and leaders in the faith saying this same thing. You can do all things. It doesn't mean you have to do all things. I'll give you a really, really good example. Maybe you do not have any allergies or intolerances in terms of your diet, but it doesn't mean that you're going to go and eat, you know, sawdust and soil because you're not allergic to it. And in the same way, in the faith, just because we can do all things doesn't mean we ought to do all things. Can you see the difference? So whose burden are you supposed to be carrying this season? Ask, pray, get some godly counsel, talk to your spouse. Look, how do you feel about us doing this? And I'll be really honest with you girls, your husband is the head of the home. And if he has said to you in no uncertain terms that something is no go, the chances are God has already said no. I can probably think of one example, one one example out of 10,000 examples where I said to my husband, look, I really feel really strongly about this and I really want to go ahead of it. And he said no. And I've been right. Shameful. I know. But I really believe that marriage is a partnership with God at the top, the husband as the head of the house, the wife as the helper and then the children. So I will not go and speak to anybody outside of the house, unless I spoke to my husband first, but I do pray. And when I pray, I say, Father, this feels like something I should be doing. Show me your heart on this. And I may not hear anything. I might not, not immediately. And then I'll go to my husband and I'll say, look, sweetheart, what do you think about us doing this? And he'll say to me, have you prayed about it? Yes. What did God say? And I said, well, nothing. I haven't heard anything. And he'll just step in and say to me, look, um, I don't think we can afford it, or this is not the right time, or let me see what my work timetable looks like in the summer, or let me look at this, or actually this is a really good idea, um, let's move forward with it. This is not to say that my husband is God. This is to say that God puts God, other godly people around you to support you and build you up in the faith, but also to provide a witness um, for you in the things he's calling you to do. And I do the same with my mum. I will have a conversation with God, talk to my husband, and then I'll call my mum. And I'll say, mum, look, I'm really thinking of doing this. And what do you think the two things my mum will ask me? She'll say to me, oh, that's lovely, darling. Have you prayed about it? Yes. Have you spoken to your husband about it? Yes. What did you agree? Or what did you decide? And I'll say, well, this is what he suggested. I still feel like it's a really good idea. And she'll say to me, well, I'm going to go with your husband on this. And that's, those are my two witnesses. So that's how I'm now walking in deciding on which burdens to carry. There are some burdens that I have not wanted to carry. And when I've prayed about it, God has said yes. My husband has said yes. And my mum, who is also my, my mentor, has also said yes. And that's when it's undeniably God. And I have to dig deep into my selflessness and say, Father, I really, really don't want to do this. And I don't know how, but... You know, three yeses are a yes. We've all watched Britain's Got Talent. You know how it works. Um, yeah, but the Bible says that this is the law of Christian love. But I'd encourage you to think about who, whose burdens you're supposed to be carrying and when and for how long. Some we carry for a lifetime. We carry our children for a lifetime. We carry a marriage for a lifetime. That's God's plan, Okay. But friendships, some don't last a lifetime. Careers, 
Some relationships don't last a lifetime. Some types of employment don't last until retirement. You may change churches in your lifetime. You may move home in your lifetime. What burdens are you supposed to be carrying? I have one more scripture for you, and then we are done. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 7. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility, who, although he existed in form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of the, all of the divine attributes, the entire deity and the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted as if he had not already possessed it or was afraid of losing it, but he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. He became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. I can't put it in any better words than that. You need to know who you are. You need to know where your source is coming from. You need to know who the other person in your life is or the other people in your life are that you are to regard more highly than yourselves. Continue to treat everybody well, but remember that we are to have the same attitude which was in Christ, selfless humility. And it's saying here, don't forsake your own interests. Hello, (laughs) self-care. But look at the interests of others. I don't have much else to say. So I'm going to pray. slight glitch there I will share again with you tomorrow the final part of this mini series on selfishness let's pray father thank you for your word my heart is full lord of things that I should have done and things that I shouldn't have done and I ask you to forgive me the times and the years and years I lived for myself. And thank you for giving me time, not necessarily to redeem myself because I'm already redeemed, but to be able to share with the world all the good things you've done for me and what your word says about living for you and becoming like you. Father, I I pray now that everybody listening would be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and would be able to not live for themselves, but to live for you. You are mighty counsellor and king. I just don't know how to thank you. And in fact, you're, you're so kind that it doesn't even seem to be enough to, to, um, to just use words 
but I lay my life down again. I don't want to be disqualified. I want to continue to run this race. But I also ask for all the mums listening, grandmothers, aunties, sisters, nieces, daughters, listening, that they would also take back the life that you died for them to have and live for you. You are my God and my King and my friend. And I particularly want to just ask you to pour your grace out on those on the front line and daily, Father, remove this disease from the earth. It has no name (laughs) because the only name I want to speak is the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to raise a standard up against the enemy for the vile work being done on your earth. Heal those who are grieving and broken and sick, but also undo the work of the enemy, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, everyone, that's all from me today on Revitalize, Inspire, Perspire, Expire. It's been so wonderful to um, have you listening in. Thank you for your time. If you haven't already done so, visit teachingmums.com to find out all the things that Teaching Mums is doing right now and leave a review. Leaving a review means that more and more women and families like yours are able to hear this message, this encouragement. I'm available on all the platforms where podcasts are shown and aired. Um, and it's wonderful to um, to have you with me on this journey. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye.